Welcome. You're about to listen to a teaching of the Foursquare Gospel Church, VGC District. At Foursquare, we believe in the transformation of communities through the multiplication of disciples, leaders, churches, and movements. May your hearts be blessed and transformed as you listen. Good morning, church. Good morning, everyone. Under the sound of my voice, both the people online and people in the auditorium downstairs, and the people right here, I bring you a message of hope from the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, as the Lord is going to surely bless you this morning in Jesus' name. We are still in our team for the month continually with God. And our topic this morning is, it is all in the attitude. It is all in the attitude. Our text is taken from the books of Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, and John 2, 1 to 11. I'll start by reading from Mark 4, 35 to 41, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And the great wind storm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was, real, it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Praise the Lord. Let me read from the book of John, chapter 2, 1 to 11. I also read from the New King James Version. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding, and when they had run out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the girls have were drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Somebody praise the Lord. One version says you kept 
the best for the last attitude. You know, we often hear the expression, action speaks louder than words, or action speaks louder than voice. Praise God. That's an idiomatic expression to say that our action is weightier than our words. In other words, he said that what we believe, that action, our attitude, is what actually tells what we believe and who we are. Our attitude speaks more than our words. For instance, if I'm in an open field and I can see you far away and I call unto you and you say, please come, and you say, I'm coming. I'll be expecting you to be walking towards me, not walking in the opposite direction. You see cases where, especially uh, sisters, they want to discipline a child, you're beating the child, and you say, shut up, shut up your mouth. You're beating the child, and you're saying the child should shut up his mouth. Do they go together? It's natural that a child that's beating should cry. Hello? You have one attitude, but you're saying a different thing. That's the kind of thing we see, especially in the leadership in Africa. We've been hearing, you've heard the word negritude. Negritude is a kind of, is a kind of uh, philosophy um, that's trying to assert the African as somebody that also has a lot of value. The Africanness, trying to promote a culture and, of, of, uh, and the values of Africa, negritude. You know, and that was a kind of thing they were trying to, to develop, especially at the time they were getting independence gradually. You know, they wanted to show that we too can do our things. And then they formed OAU, Organization of African Unity, which they later turned to AU, African Union, and all that, and all that, and all that. And Krumah was trying to lead them to see if they can form one strong Africa country. But there was so much distrust. So they will come here and discuss today. And everybody who goes back to his country begins to do something completely different. We've been seeing, since we were growing up, we've been hearing millennium this, millennium that. They say year 2020, a year of, uh, um, in fact, food for all in Nigeria. Year two, two, no, year 2000, food for all in Nigeria. Later they shifted it to year 20. Uh, 20, 2010. Later they shifted it to year 2020. Nice year 20, whether 2015. 30, before you know it goes to 50. And why is it that we don't ever actualize it? Because we program these things and come with beautiful uh, write-up on how it can be done. But when they vote money for this thing to be done, immediately the governors go to Abuja and collect the money. Within two weeks, for the next two weeks, two months, you don't see them in Nigeria. They have gone to dump it somewhere else. And they are not doing this thing. We say something, but we do a different thing. Our attitude is different from what we proclaim. Hello. And then in our belief, continually with God, how is our attitude speaking to 
confirm that we are actually continually with God, that we believe God so much we are with him. Let's just look at a, just a few of some of those attitudes that I expected of somebody who knows that he's actually with God. God is actually with him. You know, we talked about God here. We talked about the, the um, attributes of God. God being so constant. God being very faithful. God being very powerful. God being very merciful. God being so gracious that if we're actually with him, by the reason of his presence, we have protection. By reason of his presence, we are blessed. By reason of his presence, we have value. We have, we have mercy. We have grace. We have favor. But how does our attitude relate with God? Praise the Lord, somebody. Because we've also taught here that, look, God also is not unhappy with those who just speak with their mouth but they don't believe. Well, we talked and said that, look, that without faith it's impossible to please God. Hello? Now let's look at a few of the other attitudes we're talking about here this morning. Attitude of faith. In the book of Mark 4, 35 to 41 that we read, we saw the story of how Jesus himself was the one that asked his disciples to prepare the boat so they would go to the other side. And they did what exactly he asked them to do. So they were in his will. And they were with him. Some people may just think that, oh, once you are in the will of God, it means that everything will be straight and fine and clean and level. But we can see from this story here that being continually with God does not necessarily preclude trials. Hello? So that when trials come, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're no longer with God. This were with Christ in the boat. And yet, there was a storm. There was also a storm. Praise the Lord. They were in his will. He was one that asked them to prepare the boat. And they were doing exactly what he asked them to do. They were with him. Yet, there was a storm. But again, we see that even if there is a storm, even when there's a storm in your life, because you are continually with God, God is aware. Tell your neighbor, God is aware. It doesn't matter what you're going through. Whatever the challenge is, I want to assure you this morning that God is not oblivious of it. He knows. Jesus was in the boat, but he was sleeping in the stand. He was relaxed. Why? Because whether that rot or that storm to see, or demons or men or whatever it be, no waters can swallow that ship where lies. The master of ocean, earth, and the skies, they all shall sweetly obey my will. Peace be still. Peace be still. They all shall sweetly obey my will. Peace, peace be still. So as long as Jesus is in that boat, I tell my workers all the time, every Monday we have management meeting, and that time that things were rocking, especially when they had to, uh, being the, the people that, in fact, we were, I think the people in hospitality and, and uh, airline services were the first hit when the coronavirus stepped into town. You know, we had to shut down. I told them that this boat may rock. It's allowed to rock. After all, when Jesus was in the boat, it rocked. So who am I that my boat cannot rock? But it's not allowed to sink. Hello? Let that boat rock. It will not sink. 
Jesus was in the stern. He was sleeping because he knew that he's a master of ocean and the skies and the skis. And as long as he's in that boat, he can't sink. Praise the Lord, somebody. So what happens? So when the people now realize and say, ah, we're here. What is it? We're fretting. We're struggling. They now remember, ah, the master is here now. It's not the time to fret. It's not the time to run around. Let's go and wake him. Let's go and appeal to him. When the thing comes, we call on God. Praise the Lord. He said, call upon me in the day of trouble. And I will deliver you. And you shall glorify me. Psalm 50 verse 15. Also in Jeremiah 33 verse 3. He said, call, to, call unto me. And I shall answer you. And show you great and mighty things that you know not. They had to go and wake him and call him. Another thing we have to see here is that the Lord answers prayers. Tell your neighbor, the Lord answers prayers. He said, Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Praise the Lord. God answers prayers. But we need to pray. That's the attitude of the man with the, who is partner with the Lord. You might try to harass you, but you have, he said, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. So we call on him. So I think that there's a great need for us to exercise our faith in God always. Because he said to them, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Faith is a currency of the man or the woman that is continually with God. Praise the Lord. Let's go to the second attitude quickly. Because this time is running very fast. Attitude of unwavering confidence. You might see that there's a, a, line, a tiny line between confidence and faith. But they are not exactly the same. We don't have time, don't have time to begin to explain the difference. But let's just see this. When we looked at, we looked at the text in chapter, uh, John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11 that we already read and told us the story of how Mother Mary and Jesus and the disciples of Jesus were invited to a wedding. And in the course of the wedding, they ran out of wine. So the fact that the Lord is in your house, is in your, in your boat, is in your company, it's in your life, does not mean that there cannot be a time of lack. Hello? Things can fall short. And sometimes when things fall short, it doesn't necessarily mean that you are done. No. Because I know that sometimes you can have a lot, your warehouse full of goods. People are not buying. You're not poor, but you don't have cash. Hello? So there can be times you have service to give. People are not coming forth. I want you to know that as long as the Lord is still there, there is, you have that service in abundance. It's stored away. You need to maybe just a prayer away. Just one action away. But it will come in Jesus' name. Amen. Mother Mary went to Jesus and said to him, don't forget that Mother Mary has been the person who has stayed longest with Jesus. He had been, nobody had been as long as, except God the Father. But as far as it was concerned, nobody has stayed longer with Mother Mary, with Jesus. 
She was the one that carried him in the womb. She was the one that knew who had about him first. She was the first person to know that she, he was, it was time for him to, uh, to come to the earth. So she knew him. She was with him all along. She went to him straight in the face and said, they have no wine. Hello? You could see the kind of confidence with which she went to Jesus. He didn't come begging. He didn't fret. And then you could see it from his, her subsequent actions. When Jesus started talking to her, ah, Mother, what's this one now? You know it's not time. It's not time for my public uh, ministry yet. Why are you coming here to now disturb me? Say, uh, there's no wine. What's my business with this wine business thing now? Mother Mary didn't even bother to answer. Hello? He just went straight to the, uh, to the, to the maids and said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. He didn't say, in case he comes and asks you to do something, oh, just let me know or get ready. No. She was very clear. She was very sure. She was very assertive. She was confident that Jesus, he has spoken to the person who has the key to the issue on ground. And that what that was all her job was to speak to him and then confidently go and wait for answer. He went straight to the maid and said, whatever he says to you to do, do it. When you have prayed your prayer to God and you have committed those things to him, go to the Bible and find out what the Bible says you should be doing at that time. The Bible has a, has a word for every situation. When I was going to turn 50, I told this story before, I was so sick, I thought I was going to die. A couple of years. Then at the time, just occurred to me, I said, look, open the Bible. There are many places there God healed people. Especially the book of Luke. You know, Luke was a physician. So in the book of Luke, you see more of the, of the testimonies of, and the stories of healings that Jesus did. Aside from there, everywhere there was healing, I underlined it. So if you heal this one, heal me. And I didn't know when that whole thing disappeared. Praise the Lord, somebody. The Bible has a word for you every day and for every situation. And whatever he tells you to do, do it. Mary didn't have to worry. You don't have to worry. When you have spoken to the Lord, you don't have to worry. That's why he tells us in the book of Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. He said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with thanksgiving and supplication, let your, 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 your requests be made known unto God. It's not anxiety. God does not respect anxiety. God does not respect tears. God does not respect murmuring. In fact, he frowns at murmuring. What does God respect? Our faith in him. Our faith in him. That we can confidently declare that we know that he's able to do it. Praise the Lord. Times, seasons, and protocols are subject to the ruling of the Lord God. Even though it wasn't time for the public ministry of Jesus by miracles, he could not but honor 
the implicit confidence of Mother Mary. He is expecting us to demonstrate such unwavering confidence in our times of need. You see, it wasn't even time for the Lord to do. But because of the kind of confidence that Mother Mary had exhibited publicly in that place, the Lord Jesus had no choice but to act. Amen? You remember that lady that came to Jesus and said, please, have mercy on me. My daughter is ill. And the Lord said, the people, disciples said, first of all, get away, get away, get away. It's not, uh, this, way is Philist, this way is a Gentile. Get away, get away. He went to the Lord Jesus and said, ah, no, no, no. It is not, the bread we have is for the children, not for dogs. Oh, you heard, but you heard the, what the lady had to say. He said, Lord, it is true. But you know, let me also tell you something too. You have told me your own. Let me tell you my own. Even dogs eat from the crumbs that fall from the table. Hello, somebody. Did the hand of Jesus move or not? He said, I have not seen this kind of faith. Not even in Israel. Confidence. Praise the Lord. Mother Mary didn't exactly know what Jesus was going to do and how he was going to do it. But he, she knew that there was a solution in his hands. Sometimes the, the situation will look so overwhelming and sometimes we begin to, there are problems that we begin to calculate and check and begin to imagine how the Lord will do it. How it's going to be possible because we are judging with our physical senses. God is beyond time and is beyond, beyond space. He doesn't need material. He created everything. Anyway, they say from nothing. I don't know. The things that, at least from things we could not see. And you don't see much. Life, the whole life is like an iceberg. And in an iceberg, you see only 10%. 1%. I mean, 10%. One ninth of the iceberg. That's what you see on the surface. My tent is submerged underwater. And that's how this physical life is. What we see is only one tent. The other nine-tenths, 90%, you don't see. They're spiritual things. So when we begin to try to, to rationalize how God is going to do it by the things we know and time we have and all that, we miss it. Just know that he will do it. Praise the Lord, somebody. And God will always surprise you when we show that we trust him. The Lord surprised everyone. The last became the best. He said, when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was not made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn it knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine and when the guests have all drunk, then the inferior, you have kept the good wine until now. Praise the Lord. They are never be ready for God's surprise. Attitude number three. Attitude of courage. Attitude of courage. And I'll read from a short part of the story. We all know the story from First Samuel, in First Samuel chapter 17, verses 1 to 54. The encounter 
of David with Goliath. And I'll just take a, a small portion of it. I'll read from 44 to 46. And I'll read from the New King James Version. It said, And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all men, the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Praise the Lord. You see, Goliath was a warrior of massive frame. I think he was nine feet three. Experience, training, defensive gadgets, and energy. He looked invincible to a normal person. Looking at Goliath with ordinary eyes, he looked very invincible. His spear alone, the weight of his, his, his spear alone, I think seven kilograms. He was well covered. Just like that challenge in front of you, maybe looking very insurmountable. But David was not seen the gadgets and the experience and the height of Goliath. David was seeing the God who made Goliath. Hello, somebody. The challenge may be there, but it's a God who made the challenges. Praise the Lord. So whereas Goliath was talking of his spear and armor, David was talking of the name of the supreme God. The chief. The chief. The, the commander-in-chief of the armies of heaven. That name is above all names. We talked about a woman that was, that his, whose husband died and then the other one went to heaven and were rejoicing in heaven. But they said, the wife was praying fervently in earth. So he couldn't enter. They said, you have to go back. You have to go back. She's using that name. That name has power. And death knows it well. You have to go back. She's using that name. She's calling that name. That man has no power. Even death knows it. Everything bows at the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Every name must bow. So David came in that name. Tell neighbor, go in the name of Jesus. Goliath had intimidated every other person or every warrior of Israel to hide in. The challenge you might be looking at challenge and say, but this same challenge too. When he, when the Joseph had that challenge, ah, he was not able to surmount it. When John had it, he had the, your case is different too. Amen. Amen. He intimidated every person, but David came in the name of the Lord, and David was not intimidated. David came 
with no special warm gadgets and instruments, but he was ready to make the best of what we had. That even when Saul tried to dress him and put gadgets on him, he said, No, I have not tested these ones. I can't go with it. He was uncomfortable in those things. He had the name of Jesus. He had what he tested. What is in your hand? What is in your hand? 1998. Yeah, 1998. We were doing, we, I used to do construction, contracting. But that year, we didn't have any single project. Everything we had, we had spent. And things were dry. So dry, we had to go and look for, to survive. Let's see, even if to go and run supply, we now had to go and uh, do some supplies. The person who got the LPO, let me make a very short story. Somebody brought the LPO to go and supply black oil to cement factory in Boko. We went to borrow money from citizen securities, and me and my friend, we sponsored the whole thing. At the end of the day, when we finished the whole project, the man's son took the money and ran away. And we had left to debt. We didn't have project. And I started reading the Bible again from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> and I got to Exodus, where the Lord was having an encounter with Moses. And Moses was complaining of fire, he cannot, he doesn't have ability, he can't face this problem. What did God say to him? What do you have in your hand? As soon as God, I saw that, it's like he jumped out of the Bible and hit my face. What do you have in your hand? And I remember I had a block of four flats I was doing, developing in Medina Estate. It was halfway done. And I said, eh, that's what I have in my hand. So what do I do to it? Say, go and sell it. And generate fund again. I took my friends, real estate person, to that place. When we got to that place, it was fire inside the bush, water and all that. He looked and said, ah, where is the house you want to sell? I said, see, I'm there. He said, ah, hmm. God will help you. <laughs> he went back. Eh? I took the other one there, the same thing. I said, what is all this one? I said, I will sell this house myself. So I will write how much I'm going to sell the house. I will write how I'm going to spend it. I will write on top of it tight. I will write this, write that, write that, approve it. One day I just went to Citizen Bank again. I was talking with one of the directors who worked for before. And the secretary said, ah, do you know where we can buy land? We want to, I want to buy land. I got loan. I want to buy land. I said, ah, you want to buy land? Not be land now. Nah. I get a house. Come and buy a house instead. He said, eh. And that was, before we, at the end of the day, he called the husband. And now just, they paid for the house. And there was capital again to continue. Praise the Lord, somebody. Courage. David demonstrated an incredible type of courage that stemmed from the confidence in the name of God. He told Goliath that he came, he comes against him in the name of God of, of, of Israel, the supreme commander of the armies of heaven. Our confidence in God turns us into courageous men and women. It is our courage in our, it is our confidence in God that turns us from ordinary persons to very courageous people. And we speak with power. And we speak with boldness. And we speak with confidence. Because we know who is behind us. Say, I know on whom I believe. Praise the Lord, somebody. Ah, 
Time don't go. Make I quickly finish it. Attitude number four. And that's the end of love. John 13, 34 to 35. New King James Version. This was the Lord Jesus speaking to his disciples. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also should love one another. But by this, all we know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The Lord Jesus in Matthew 22, 36 to 40 still tells us that love is the greatest commandment. You know when they came to ask him about the greatest commandment? He said, it's still love. One, love for, love for God the Father, and then love for your neighbor. So in this John 13, 34 to 35, he commands those that must continually work with him to love one another and others with his type of love, a love that is unconditional. Love is not simply warm feelings. It is rather an attitude that reveals itself in action. Loving others as Christ loves us connotes helping out even when it is not convenient. Giving when it hurts. Devoting energy to welfare of others. And etc. This kind of love is not easy. And that is why others will notice when you do it and acknowledge that you are a disciple of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord somebody. Loving when it hurts. Giving when it hurts. Helping when it's inconvenient. Which is all sense of humility and uh, sincerity. I want to say here that this is an area where the senior pastor here challenges all of us very much. I can tell you, very much. With his type of life. I've never seen anybody who will this, who will practically live his life out to make sure that you are comfortable. He will leave everything. Even when we tried, they were trying to plan his birthday, it was impossible because everybody knows that he's not given to, to that kind of uh, show and celebration. So the problem was, how can you ever bring him to that place? How will you be able to bring him? And so he knows him very well. Ah, just let us, just tell him there's a problem here. He will leave everything around. And that was what happened. <laughs> I pray that God will give us that kind of spirit. Because I, believe, I know that it's not, it's, it's not something that anybody can just do on his own. True. It's, it's a gift from God. So I be, I'm praying that God will give me that gift too. And give all of us that gift in Jesus' name. Because if we're always looking out for the person's, the next person's good, if we're always watching out to the, for the welfare of our brethren, I don't think we'll have the kind of problems we have in Nigeria. Unfortunately, one of the scarcest human needs in the church today, especially in Africa, is love. Rather than uniting love against the common enemy, the devil, and his agents, the church is neck deep in competition with each other. Self-righteousness, denominational supremacy, backbiting, greed, and so on. These are taking a so a poor, taking a lot of uh, a lot of value out of the church. You allow the, the enemy Satan to take a footfold 
So instead of us to be working together, united, we are seeing all the fault in the Catholic Church. We are seeing all the fault in Winner Church. We are seeing all the fault in Redeem in Redeem Church. Where Redeem is seeing the fault in the Anglican. Anglican is seeing the fault in, in Foursquare. Foursquare is seeing the fault in whatever. But Christ said, "By this, you shall know." They shall know that you, you are my disciples if you do what? Love one another. Let's put Christ first. Christ is the denominator. Christ is the holding force that binds all of us together. If all of us can focus on Christ, just on Christ, and love one another, the world will be a better place. And then the presence of God will be with us. And it will be very difficult for the enemy to penetrate us. Praise the Lord, somebody. Our attitude as those who are continually with God must reveal that we are not trusting in ourselves but in God at all times. He is our enabler and our ultimate. Just like he's told us in Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 to 6, he said, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Want to pray? Are you here within the sound of my voice? Without online or on site, or in the auditorium downstairs, and you know you've not had an encounter with Christ. Because the things we talked about are the things that are enabled by the Holy Spirit. And who is giver of the Holy Spirit? Jesus is the giver of the Holy Spirit. And for you to give you Holy Spirit, you have to believe. You know you've not confessed Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior of once. And you want him to take over your life from today so that he can give you and die you with the Holy Spirit. That you may be able to live with these attitudes that can make a change in your life. I want you to just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I pray this morning that you have mercy on me. Forgive my sins. I confess all my sins. And I prayed from now on that I surrender my life to you from now. I pray you come and take over my life. From now, Lord, be my Lord indeed. I pray in Jesus' name. If you have prayed that prayer, if you are online, just test forgiving to the number on the screen. And if you have prayed that prayer, you're downstairs or anywhere, you might raise your hand so that some pastors can reach out to you and pray with you. Father, Lord God in heaven, we just thank you. We thank you for your words which are comfort. We pray, Lord God in heaven, that this world will strengthen us. They will help us as we run this race, that we may run successfully to the glory of your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.